Well, we're bombarded with news these days. Uh, it's information overload. A lot of news is, is bad. Some news is good. The thing about news is that it's usually worth telling. That is, after all, why it is news by, by definition, a report of recent events, previously unknown information, something having a specific influence or effect, usually quite significant. News, there was a record amount of rainfall. News, these two warring nations just brokered a peace deal. News, they're going to have a baby. News, a major company is moving to the area and they're going to create 500 new jobs. News, the town of Asbestos, Quebec in Canada has chosen a new, less hazardous name, Val de Sources. And yes, that actually was news from this week. That may be not as big a news to you all, but I, I thought it was kind of funny. I don't know why you would name your town Asbestos, but news is usually worth talking about. <laughs> And this week, a lot of the news has been about the record uh, number of COVID-19 cases, uh, the record rate of hospitalization. That's bad news, but still news worth sharing because it's so significant. But there was also good news. Two different vaccinations have come out of trials and both have been shown to be 95% effective against the virus. That's good news and also words, uh, news worth worth sharing, worth telling because it's so significant. News is usually worth telling. And then sometimes the news is so good, so unexpected, so incredible that simply talking about it just doesn't do it justice. Some 2,000 years ago, there was news like that. Small news from a small town, but significant news nonetheless. In fact, the beginning of the greatest news that the world has ever known. Something that had hap something happened that had never happened before. Something with, with widespread influence and effect. News so good that it wasn't just worth speaking about. It was news worth singing. News worth singing. And ever since, over the centuries, the good news of Jesus' birth, of God coming to live with us, has been sung. That's why we have so many of our, our beloved Christmas hymns and Christmas carols, because the birth of Jesus is news worth singing about. So over the next six Sundays, we're going to be looking at six Christmas hymns to see the good news that they sing, so that we might experience anew in this difficult season the hope and the joy and the wonder of the God who came to be with us and to save us. And today we begin with, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us so that we might bear fruit for you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. I invite you to listen for God's word. In the days of King Ahaz, Jotham's son and grandson of Judah's king Uzziah, Aram's king Rezin and Israel's king Pekah, Ramalia's son, came up to attack Jerusalem, but they couldn't overpower it. 
When the house of David was told that Aram had become allies with Ephraim, their hearts and the hearts of their people shook as the trees of a forest shake when there is a wind. But the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and your son Shir-Jashub, at the end of the channel of the upper pool by the road to the field where their laundry is washed, and say to them, Be careful and stay calm. Don't fear and don't lose heart over these two pieces of smoking torches, over the burning anger of Rezin, Aram, and Remaliah's son. Aram has planned evil against you with Ephraim and Remaliah's son, saying, Let's march up against Judah, tear it apart, capture it for ourselves, and install Tabeel's son as its king. But the Lord God says it won't happen. It won't take place. The chief of Aram is Damascus. The chief of Damascus is Rezin. In 65 more years, Ephraim will be shattered as a nation. The chief of Ephraim is Samaria, and the chief of Samaria is the son of Ramalia. If you don't believe this, you can't be trusted. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign from the Lord your God. Make it as deep as the grave or as high as heaven. But Ahaz says, I, w- I won't. I won't test the Lord. Then Isaiah said, listen, house of David, isn't it enough for you to be tiresome for people that you're also tiresome before my God? Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The young woman is pregnant and is about to give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. This hymn, originally in Latin, takes us back over 1,200 years to monks living in the 8th or 9th century. Seven days before Christmas Eve, monasteries would sing all of the verses, one per day, beginning, all all the verses beginning with O something, in anticipation of Christmas. They were designed to focus the mind on the breadth and the depth of the mystery of the incarnation, God being born among us. They were also uh, designed to help tap into that longing for for Christ's coming. As I was listening to, to the hymn this week, this particular hymn, in the midst of an incredibly difficult season we've been living in for the past eight months, a season that looks like it will continue to last, it struck me as just such a profound a song of prayer and longing and hope, like the perfect theme song almost for the past eight months. In fact, the very first word, oh, is itself a word, is itself a word of prayer and hope. Oh God, oh God, we we often cry when we need help. Oh is the sound of groaning, but it's also the sound of hope or being a a surprise unexpectedly of great anticipation. Oh, oh, I can't wait. The scripture this verse and and refrain is taken from is Isaiah 7, which then is quoted by Matthew in, in his gospel recounting the birth of Christ. It's a prophetic promise spoken by the prophet Isaiah Uh, to a despairing King Ahaz of Judah. A quick little history here. The kingdoms of Judah and Israel are are two parts of a formerly unified kingdom, which was divided shortly after King Solomon's death. So an alliance formed between Israel, the northern kingdom, and Aram, a non-Israelite kingdom, to attack Judah, whose capital was Jerusalem. 
And they do this because apparently Judah refused to participate in a coalition with them against the, the powerhouse of the region, Assyria, uh, who wanted control over the whole, re- whole region and would eventually get it. So now Israel and Aram are threatening to attack Judah. And King Ahaz and Judah and all the people respond with terror and, and despair and unbelief and hopelessness. Scripture says, I don't know if you heard this, it's so vivid, They shook like the trees of a forest shake when there is a wind. God tells Isaiah to reassure King Ahaz of Judah that the attack will not happen. We can assume this reassurance doesn't work because immediately after, Isaiah again goes to Ahaz, frustrated because the king seemingly doesn't trust God enough, even though God offers to give Ahaz any sign that he asks for. So there, uh, Isaiah says, therefore the Lord will give you a sign. In other words, something to show you God is truly with you, whether you want to see it or not, God's going to do it. The young woman is pregnant and is about to give birth to a son, and she will name him Emmanuel. It's like God, it's like God is saying, you won't believe that I am with you, So I'm going to give you a tangible sign that I am with you with the birth of one whose name literally means God with us. Because God knows in the midst of despair, uh, good news and hope must come from elsewhere, from outside of ourselves and our human condition. No wonder Matthew then references this scripture with the birth of Jesus, saying that Jesus' birth took place to fulfill what was spoken by Isaiah. You want a sign that God has not abandoned you? You want news to keep you going? This baby boy called Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God come to be with us, not a proxy, not a representative. God in the flesh, not God removed from us, not God far above us, not God angry toward us. God with us us rejoice rejoice Emmanuel shall come to thee O Israel news worth singing O come O come Emmanuel and ransom captive Israel is a prayer for help it's a prayer for deliverance in the same way that Israel prayed and longed for when God would move decisively with them and for them To rescue them from exile, not just physical exile in Babylon, but spiritual exile. Early Christians, and and as Christians recognize in the coming of Christ, also early Christians, after Jesus' death and resurrection, continued to pray and long for his coming again in glory and his final victory. Christians have always prayed for God's rescue and God's deliverance from sin and from despair and from, from hardship. People experiencing injustice and oppression have cried out these words. Even people who don't know Jesus have cried out in despair for help and deliverance. How often, how often we've been crying out perhaps with these words, perhaps with others, or maybe just with sighs and groans, Oh, come, oh, come, be present with us, Lord, in the midst of this pandemic. Come to us and deliver us from our lies, from our division. How often in our day-to-day lives we we cry out, oh, come, oh, come, God, and, and rescue us from trouble, from illness, from despair, from sin, from conflict. This is a prayer waiting for good news. 
This is a prayer that lives in and captures the, the tension of three comings. The longing of God's people Israel for the coming of the Messiah, which we believe happened in the birth of Jesus. Uh, a longing for Jesus to come back again one day and make all the sad things come untrue. And a longing for Christ to show up and be present right now with us. And in every coming, the presence of Jesus is supposed to do something dramatic, change things. And in the waiting for the coming, hope is sustained by a promise. So if the first part of the stanza is a prayer, the second part is the answer to that prayer and is the heart of the good news. News, news, you've been praying for God's rescue, you've been praying, asking God to come. Here's the news, here's the headline, rejoice, rejoice, take heart, have hope, get excited. Now, because of what is going to happen, Emmanuel, God with us, will come to you, shall come to you. The answer to the prayer for rescue and presence is the promise of presence. It's an announcement of something that is going to happen, and the prospect and the hope that it will happen transforms the present moment. It's good news in advance. That's what a promise is. It's good news in advance that keeps you holding on with hope and excitement. Think about when a couple shares the good news about a pregnancy. The baby isn't born yet. Like the main event hasn't happened yet. But the anticipation of the event is news still worth sharing and enjoying. And it does change the present moment, doesn't it? I mean, in the meantime, because of that news, certain preparations have to be made. Baby names have to be debated. Or think about the good news of the vaccine again. The vaccine isn't here yet. And yet, simply announcing that it's on the way and that it looks very effective conveys hope. And hopefully it changes the present moment. In the meantime, because of the news, maybe people will be able to hold on and social distance and mask up just a little bit longer. A promise of something yet to be is still good news worth sharing in the now. That's where hope resides. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. And that's what the refrain does. That refrain. It is good news because it announces a promise. And for people who trust God, we believe that God keeps promises. If God says that God will come and be present to us, it will happen. It will happen. And so, the meantime, between the promise made and the promise realized is a period where instead of living a hopeless life, instead of being ruled by despair, we wait with excitement for what we know is on the way. A God who is with us. God with us in all our flesh and blood realities and messiness. God with us when we want to give up. God with the least, the last, the lonely, and the lost, the broken. God with us when we lose it with our kids. God with our kids when we lose it with them. God with us when we're changing diapers. God with us when we're the ones who need to be wiped clean on the inside. God with us in our ordinary wash, rinse, repeat days and times and moments. God with us in our, in our putting up the Christmas tree and inevitably breaking one of the ornaments. God with us when the lights get tangled. God with us when our families get tangled. 
God with us when we worship in person. God with us when we worship virtually. God with us when we awkwardly but beautifully keep each other going through Zoom B3 gatherings. Rejoice, rejoice, good news. God with us shall come to us when the holidays are especially, perhaps painfully different this year. God with us shall come to us when we miss out on the school experience we've only been able to hear others talk about. God with us shall come to us in food lines that stretch too far and in hospitals where PPEs and healthcare workers don't stretch far enough. God with us shall come to us in the local nursing homes where, where lonely bodies slump in wheelchairs pushed up against the hallway walls. God with us shall come to us at the bedside of a loved one as their final breath slips away. God with us shall come to us in the cancer treatment center where a mother waits holding her breath to see what the next scan reveals. God with us shall come to us when our mother or grandmother with dementia can't remember our name. God with us shall come to us even when we're so angry and frustrated with God that we can't even look in that direction God with us shall come to us when that dreaded email or phone call comes letting us know we don't have a job God with us shall come to us when we think we've screwed things up beyond fixing God with us shall come to us when we know we need to change but we're struggling to even admit that we were ever wrong God with us shall come to us when we're running on empty, when we think we're all alone, when we think hope is lost, when we're sinking, when we look around and most of what we see is bad news. God with us shall come to us. This is the Jesus that still comes to us today and is God with us. When human possibilities have run out, offering us new ways forward in fulfillment of his promises, this song communicates that good news. Jesus, please come. We, we need you. We're in exile. We're lonely. We're, we're tired. And he will. Rejoice in that promise. And let that promised presence, that promised coming, ground you in a hope that is stronger than our fear and our despair. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. Jesus comes to us even now. Jesus will come again in final victory one day. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee.